Hello and welcome to the Respiratory Inspirations podcast. I'm Rai Dwake, chairman of the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. This podcast series of short, digestible episodes is intended for patients and families and covers topics related to respiratory health and disease. My colleagues and I will be interviewing experts about timely and timeless topics in the areas of pulmonary, critical illness, sleep, infectious disease, and related disciplines. We will share with you information that will help you take better care of yourself and your loved ones. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Respiratory Inspirations, the podcast designed for patients and their families on various topics in pulmonary and critical care disease. I'm Dr. Daniel Culver, the chair of the Department of Pulmonary Medicine at Cleveland Clinic. I'm your guest host today. With me today, I have two knowledgeable guests, Dr. Simon Muka, the director of the Oncology Medical ICU Unit at Cleveland Clinic. Hello, Simon. Good morning. And Dr. Mamoun Abdo, one of the thoracic oncology leaders in our department. Thank you, and good morning. Today, we're going to talk about immune checkpoint inhibitor toxicity and pneumonitis, and that's a mouthful right out of the gate. Maybe we better step back and think a little bit and talk a little bit about what are immune checkpoint inhibitors and what is immunotherapy? What is that? It's a new form of therapy for cancers that hasn't been used until the last several years. And really, I think that it's revolutionizing the management of many cancers, lung cancer and cancers outside of the lungs. Of course, sometimes there are unintended consequences and side effects of that. And this is really what we're here today to talk about. Simon, maybe I'll ask you to start. What is immunotherapy? What is it in principle and how is it different than chemotherapy? Yeah, if you think of chemotherapy in the past, those are agents that are toxic. They're meant to kill cancer cells. Immunotherapy is a novel type of therapy. It's, it's a therapy that harnesses the power of our own immune system to attack cancer cells. In a way, I think of it, it's, they're, they're agents designed to take the brakes off the immune system so that our own immune system can attack foreign cells. And it's usually doing that in normal health, isn't it? It is doing that in normal health. Our cancer cells have evolved and have figured out a way to sort of evade the immune response. And what we've learned in the past decades is how we can help our immune system to get past those defenses and attack the cancer cells anyway. So this is a real cloak and dagger game. This is the immune system disguising, or the cancer disguising itself and we're now we're showing the immune system how to get through that disguise. Exactly. Get past those defenses. Wow. So it's a cat and mouse, I guess. And the side effects are different, right? So because now we have an immune system that is stimulated and then is primed for, for attacking cells that may be cancerous. So the side effects that we see now are, are different. Now we see really an immune response that can affect any part of the body, the lung, is one of those is common and it's an important part that we see very frequently. So when you see the immune system get revved up and start attacking cancer, sometimes it mistakenly gets involved in other areas as well. Is that the gist of it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, any, any organ system could be affected. The lung is commonly one, which is why we're talking about it. We see this frequently, but it could be skin, could be gut. Any of your organ systems could be affected. So, when the lung is attacked, we call it pneumonitis. Mamoon, tell us a little bit about pneumonitis. What is that? What does it mean? What other organs can, can be affected as well? And then 
When you see patients, how does that present? What, what, what do they talk about? What kinds of symptoms do they have? Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to pneumonitis, it is, like Simon mentioned, it's the inflammation that's driven by the weaponized or unleashed immune system that's trying to fight cancer. And with that, it's causing this reaction in the lung. And when patients have pneumonitis, they tend to have symptoms in, in, in a lot of cases, although in some scenarios, they may not feel any different. Their symptoms will just be the usual feeling of being out of breath, having a cough, a little bit of a chest pain, or maybe fever. And in certain scenarios, the oxygen level may drop and will be noticeable compared to others. So when you look at these symptoms, they could be just because of the the other treatment associated with immunotherapy. It could be because of their cancer. It could be because of a common cold or an infection or bronchitis. So it, it, is, it is a very, very kind of just nonspecific presentation. But the key in this is once these symptoms start is to bring it to the attention to the treating oncologist. And our oncologists have a pretty high index of suspicion when these symptoms start on immunotherapy to look for it and make sure it's not something else. And, and when you say look for it, what's the usual steps that patients go through when you're looking for it? Yeah. So when patients are being treated with immunotherapy and for, for their cancer, they tend to get serial CAT scans to kind of follow up on their response to treatment. And I think when if, if this was done recently or the oncologist is planning to do one based on the symptoms, it is through CAT scans doing the, CAT, the CT of the chest and looking if there is any new findings that we see on the lungs, number one. And number two is testing for low oxygen. Not only at rest when you come to see the doctors, but also when you are walking around. So doing oximetry with movement, with exercise, and see does the oxygen level drop. And if it does, that will increase that index of suspicion even further. And we know that some people get very severe disease, but that's pretty rare. Most people get quite mild disease. So does everybody have an abnormal CAT scan? Does everybody have a symptom? Does everybody have low oxygen levels? How does that line up? Yeah, so, so it's a wide range of, of symptoms and findings on the, on the CT scan of the chest. But usually, for, if you look at the cases that have been treated with immunotherapy and with how important immunotherapy has become, the reported cases of pneumonitis has been pretty, pretty low. It's less than 5% of the cases. But there are certain, certain subset of patients that the, the number of the severity may be significant enough to require them to be on oxygen or be admitted to the hospital or to the intensive care unit. Having said that, a good portion of, of patients may not have any symptoms and it's only a finding on the CT scan. Or they may feel those symptoms that we mentioned earlier, including trouble breathing or cough, and there will be the end of it. Basically, when, when the oncologist is alerted to that, they, they look into this further through the CAT scan and make sure they look at other possibility or other, other causes of these symptoms and treated as such. So you would encourage anybody on these therapies to report those sort of symptoms to their healthcare provider as soon as they get them? Absolutely. Okay. You, you mentioned also that 
this is not just the lungs, that other organs can also get inflammation from the immune system, even if those organs didn't have cancer in them, I guess, right? Those organs could be innocent bystanders. What, what, what other organs do you see most commonly being affected, Simon? Absolutely. The lung, you know, in, in a medical ICU and working with pulmonologists is one that we see frequently. But like I said earlier, it, it can affect almost any organ system. Rashes are common. Sometimes we see abnormal liver function tests. Some patients develop diarrhea or joint pains. The endocrine system can be affected, such as changes in thyroid hormone, cortisol levels, maybe even some other hormones. Uh, really, almost any organ system can be affected. So it, like you said, it is important if you notice changes in symptoms, new findings, to alert your oncologist or primary care provider. And most of the time, you know, your oncologist definitely, and your primary care mm -hmm. provider you know, probably as well, are attuned to, to these symptoms. And, and we're, the key here is to, to recognize them early and have a provider who's familiar with them consider whether or not this needs to be evaluated as a possible side effect from therapy. Does, does everybody with suspected pneumonitis or suspected inflammation from these, from these medications get the same kind of diagnostic testing and the same kind of treatment, or does it depend on the severity of the disease? I think that's a key point. I think it depends on the severity of disease. It depends on the symptoms. It depends on the underlying cancer and the treatment type. We're learning a lot about these new therapies. The presentations are quite varied, and it's important to really have the healthcare providers collaborate closely. It is a joint discussion and a diagnostic approach with the oncologist, the pulmonologist, or the lung doctor, and any other specialist that is involved. There is no cookie-cutter recipe to help us guide this. It's really an individualized approach. It's important that the, the team works together as such. Are there some tests besides CAT scan that, that patients might expect to experience as they're working through why they have the symptoms and whether or not it's a pneumonitis? Yeah. So one of the, one of the tests that always brought up, and that's what get our oncologists to, to kind of reach out to us pulmonologists to see if this test could be done, is bronchoscopy, which is a camera test of the lung to get better samples, which could be just a wash of different deep parts of the lung or doing a lung biopsy through that camera. When you look at bronchoscopy, it's an outpatient procedure that is doable either under conscious sedation where it's more like a twilight or with the help of the anesthesia team. Although this test has been used more frequently early when we were recognizing pneumonitis, the, its value has been kind of questioned over time, and the decision to pursue it is has to be on a case-by-case -case basis, discussion and collaboration with other healthcare providers and see what's the, what's the yield, what's the benefit of putting patients through this. Other testing specifically, and, and it highlighted the importance of the CAT scan, the CAT scan of the chest being the most important, and the limitation of a regular chest X-ray, where it doesn't give you those subtle details that make you suspicious or worried about the presence of pneumonitis. Further testing, including more invasive lung biopsies, has been used in the past, and in certain cases we still put people through it, but those are the rarity of the rare. One of the things I think when these patients come in is, is 
It could be pneumonitis, but you both have to think carefully about infection, as you mentioned. Also, the cancer could be getting worse as well. And of course, there are other things that could be happening. One of the ways that we sometimes identify cancer is with a PET scan. Is a PET scan a helpful test for understanding why new symptoms or why new imaging findings are happening on the CAT scan? That's a really good question, and I, I get asked this question quite often in my clinic dealing with cancer patients. And PET scan is a really good test when it's applied in the right setting. The challenge when you think of pneumonitis, it's a reaction of the immune system that's going to drive, drive a certain activity and metabolism into the area and make it positive or light up on a PET scan. And it will be very difficult to use a PET scan as a tool to differentiate pneumonitis from cancer progression and, and worsening. So the value of PET scan has been kind of limited when it comes to pneumonitis specifically. Having said that, it may have some benefit in other, other side effects or other adverse events related to pneumonitis that Simon could allude into. But that's the way I look at it, and that's the way I discuss it with my patients. CAT scan is more beneficial and more telling. So CAT scan, though, the tried and true is, is the most important test here. So let's say that we decide that pneumonitis is probably the diagnosis. Does everybody need to stop their therapy? If you stop the therapy, is that enough? Or do some patients need additional treatments? Simon, maybe I'll turn that one towards you. Yeah, it really depends on how severe the side effect is or how severe the inflammation of the lung is. If this inflammation is severe enough that a patient needs new oxygen or has a really hard time breathing to the point where they need to be admitted to the hospital or even you know, come to our team in the intensive care unit, we would most certainly hold the drug and in severe cases would start probably some medications that calm down the immune system. Steroids are one of our go-to medications. That, again, is for severe cases, which are fortunately very rare. In mild cases, again, it's a discussion between the pulmonologist, the patient, and the oncologist of how severe the symptoms really are. Often, patients can either continue treatment or interrupt treatment briefly. And even patients with significant symptoms may resume their treatment after their initial toxicity or initial side effects have resolved. So it really depends on, on how severe those symptoms are. Do you find that most patients are able to resume treatment with low grades or mild versions of pneumonitis, or is that the exception? I think with the benefit of, with the benefit of immunotherapy in, in those group of patients, we do our best to kind of just reconsider and seeing if holding treatment only for a few weeks with or without the use of, of steroids and other drugs if we would allow them to go back on treatment. Although the risk is still there of the pneumonitis coming back, it doesn't seem to be the, the most common scenario, but actually the less common one. So as long as the reinitiation of, of immunotherapy occur while closely monitoring the patient for recurrence and deciding if this episode of pneumonitis is coming back, this is something that we do regularly. It has been done before, and it's still and seems to be in the mild cases of pneumonitis is something that's doable. 
and beneficial to those patients. Can you just switch to a different checkpoint inhibitor? Would that be a, a way to get around this problem? That's a really good question. And the problem with immunotherapy, with the pneumonitis, it has been reported in all these cases. The other challenge that you're raising is we have now a handful of immune checkpoint inhibitors that have been approved by the FDA. And if you look at the certain indications in every indication, every group of cancer patients at a certain stage, there are only maybe one or two that are approved in that group. But I think we have enough data to say and, and show that if you resume the same agent, your risk of pneumonitis in the mild setting is not that prohibitive. And a lot of patients may continue and resume their treatment without that risk. So more to be seen on that, I guess. What about the concept of continuing therapy but also adding steroids? I've heard that idea sometimes, and I think that the concern that a lot of people bring up is this therapy really has helped my cancer a lot. I'm very scared to stop it. I think that's a fair, a fair sentiment. And so is it possible to manage through the inflammation without stopping the, the therapy, without stopping the inhibitor, but just giving some steroids? Is that a strategy that's ever done? It seems like it has been done before. The big concern with this is, is progression of the pneumonitis to the limit that it caused the patients their life. And with us knowing that this treatment is the, the cause of the, the inflammation that's happening in the body and specifically in the lung, it will be very hard argument to start the steroids and continue the treatment at the same time. The other part of the equation is steroid itself themselves by weakening the immune system, they have two two effects. Number one, they may be undermining the effect of immunotherapy in treatment of cancer. Number two, they are increasing the risk of infection that could also cost the patient their life and may delay their care afterward. So Yeah, I think that's important. Uh Really, patients, if they stay on the therapies, tend to tend to continue to progress and get worse. So stopping the, the inhibitor until things get better is really the key first step in the treatment. Yes, indeed. And one thing you hear, Simon, when people get really severe manifestations of this is, is some fear that there can't be a good outcome. Can you talk a little bit about how people do once they get severe disease and some of the some of the outcomes there. Yeah, I really want to stress two things. One, severe toxicity or severe side effects are fortunately rare, and we recognize them earlier. And early intervention prevents progression to severe disease or severe side effects. So that's that's the first step. And two, as we're getting more familiar with and and treating more aggressively and early, we do see good response to therapy. So even significant side effects can be managed. So I think as long as, I think the theme here is recognize early, monitor the patient and follow up closely with a team of providers who really are familiar with this therapy, your oncologist, the pulmonologist, and even severe side effects can be treated and, and we've, we've seen great response. So even therapy. if you get into the ICU, it's not too late. All hope is not lost. You can, you can get over it and get back to what you were doing before. That is the goal. 
That is always the goal. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've learned a lot over the years and we've certainly seen patients do very well. We have to be aware that there is the possibility for severe toxicity. We take this very seriously, but we hope that if we recognize it early and treat it appropriately, uh, we can have great response. Well, I think that's a nice note of hope to end up here. Uh, I'll give you each a chance to, to give one more word. Maybe we'll start with you, uh, Mamoon. And anything else you want to add to the discussion? I think it's very important to say that immunotherapy is here to stay. It's a very instrumental treatment for patients with cancer. And with those different and special type of side effects should be recognized early to be managed in a better way and either resume the treatment or hold it for for a short period of time get the patients the benefit that they get from immunotherapy and cut down on the on the adverse events as much as possible. Let your doctor know if you have these symptoms and don't feel shy of reaching out as early as possible. Even if you think this is just COVID or this is just a common cold, bring it up to your doctor and let them kind of just help you through this. It's amazing to think that after three years of this, we could say just COVID, but I guess that's where we are now. Simon, I'm, any I'm parting glad. shots here? Yeah, just like uh, like you said, I think immunotherapy is here to stay. I think these are wonderful drugs. They've changed the way we approach cancer. We've achieved wonderful outcomes. Talk to your providers if you have new symptoms. We can diagnose and treat them, but it does take a village. It takes a team of, of experts collaborating, and then we're, we're hopeful that you have the best outcome you can achieve. I want to thank both of you for your input today. It's been great to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Everybody, thank you for joining us today for this episode of Respiratory Inspirations. I'm Dan Culver from Cleveland Clinic Department of Pulmonary Medicine. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Respiratory Inspirations podcast. For more stories and information from the Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute, you can follow me on Twitter at tryedwakemd.com.